Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Galatians, that Paul writes to this church that is really struggling with breaking away from Judaism. Think about it, though. Here they were, a people that for hundreds of years had operated in this manner, lived by the law, and this is how they were told to live from the beginning to now, and now suddenly Jesus Christ comes and dies and everything changes. I mean, after all, we're not very good with change, are we? And so Paul keeps writing to them saying, look, leave that behind. It's done. It's served its purpose. There's a new way now. And he continues that as Galatians chapter 4. And so what we're going to look at this evening is this chapter where he continues to let them know this is how you need to live. And what you need to know is God sent his son so he could adopt us as his children. Isn't that great? Why did Jesus Christ come? So that you and I could be children of God. That's a, that's a love that's incredible. Notice what he says, Galatians chapter 4 verse 1. Think of it in this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than the slaves until they grow up. In other words, they're not old enough yet to get the inheritance, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father sets. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. And when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Now, when the right time came, that's just a wonderful phrase. Think about this way. This is the first time in history where the world is somewhat connected. The Roman Empire has just expanded everything. The trade routes are opening and everything is put into place so that the gospel can go. And so when the right time came, God's always on time. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, who had to obey the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. This law was the guardian that was there. Because we're his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you're no longer a slave. You're God's own child. And since you're his child, God has made you his heir. (laughs) Now that you're a child, you have everything God has. He could buy our freedom. He came and died on a cross so that we could be brought closer to God. A lot of people have a hard time with this, calling God Father. You know, because what we tend to do is attribute to Father to our earthly Father. And what is it about us that tends to find the weakest parts of our earthly Father? And they all have them because they're human the parts that we don't like, don't agree with. And we say, well, if that's what God's like, I'm going to struggle with that. I don't know that I want that. And yet one of the important principles of Scripture is to relate to God as your Father. Here's what Paul wrote in Romans in chapter 8. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children, and now we call Him 
Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. We get to come into the very presence of God. Now, coming in God's presence is something we wrestle with because it's such an unusual dynamic. Uh, Pastor Steve mentioned a little earlier about how we come with reverence and with awe before God and humility, and, and that is a way we come before God. But there's also we come before God as His children. We walk up to Him, Hi, Father, Dad. There, there's this intimacy that's there, and there's a rejoicing. We get to come into God's presence. We get to celebrate that. All are appropriate at different times, and all are a part of coming into God's presence. When we get to heaven, I think there's going to be a time in heaven where we'll just be awestruck with God and who He is. And it'll call us just to fall on our faces and go, wow, you're worthy, we're not. But you're worthy. I believe there's going to be other times when we're going to be celebrating, look, we're with Father, we're with Him, and we get to rejoice in that, and it's a great time. We're close. We're His children, we're His heirs. He's given us all of this. And both of those emotions and all of these are appropriate when we come before God. And so Paul writes and says, look, in the Old Testament, there was the law. It was given to keep us into place until our time of the inheritance came. And Jesus Christ came and paid the price so that we could be adopted into the family of God. And thus the Lord's Prayer begins with, Our Father who's in heaven. Father. I pray today that you will know him as your father. A great father. A good father. A wonderful father. And so Paul gets this point clear to them. And then he talks about the benefits of a relationship with Father God. What are the benefits that are there? He mentions it through and different writings and everything. And so there's different things that come about because He is our Father. First of all, there's this connection. We're no longer far away. We're no longer somebody like a slave. We're a child. We're now intimate with God. We're connected to Him. We're not distant. God never pulls away from us. We can pull away from Him, but He's always close by. And so because he's our father and because he's there, we're connected with him. That gives us also a confidence of knowing that we come before God and we're his children and he loves us and he cares for us. And in fact, the writer says, you can come boldly into his presence. Wow. He won't abandon me. He won't treat me wrong. Now, he may do some things I don't like, but it's always for my good. And I can have confidence that he will always do what's best for me and he will help me. There's this correction then that comes from this. God says in scripture in several different places, you know, if you're a loving father, you correct your children. And he says, if you don't love your children, you don't correct them. And he leaves that correction as an important part of being a good, loving father. You discipline. And so he corrects us. Why? Because he loves us. He wants what's best for us. And sometimes in life, we make some wrong choices and he corrects us. He tries to get us back into the right place for our benefit and for our good. He also comforts us. We can always come to him because he cares, because he loves us, and he will always give us the comfort we need. 
And so I have this father who corrects me, who cares for me, who invites me into his presence, who loves me, who paid a high price so that I could be his child. What a great God. And Paul tries to get these Galatians, please understand what God has done for you so that you could be free. Then we're not meant to be slaves. He wants you to understand that if you live according to the rules and the laws, you're slaves to those rules and laws. I mean, think about it this way. In the Jewish system, there was hundreds of laws, 400 or so, more. And you were expected to keep them all, which was impossible. And so as you live, you're just living your whole life. Can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? And you're just caught up in trying to keep the rules, knowing you can't, and knowing there's more rules out there that you don't know about. And Paul says, look, he doesn't want you to be a slave to that. He doesn't want that to be your thought process. He wants you to be free to love. And when you love, you don't have to worry about keeping the rules because love will automatically do that. Notice what he says. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. Everybody worships something. Everybody has something. They might not call it a god, but it is their god because they go after it and they let it direct their life. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slave once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? Why do you want to let the worldly things set the principles for you of how to live? All they will do is enslave you. You are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. You're doing it by trying to, if I do this day and if I do celebrate here and do this right, then God will know that I'm okay and I'll just do the right things. But you're so caught up in taking the rules, there's no relationship. I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. You see, what's the problem with love? Well, love means that I have to lay down my life and give it to God and let Him be in control so that I can live as He wants me to live, which will benefit me because He loves me. If I keep the rules, I'm in control. I get to set the rules. I get to make sure I know which ones are right and which ones are wrong. That's what the Pharisees and Sadducees were all about during Jesus' day. We'll set the rules and we'll enforce them. And we'll make sure you keep them. There was no relationship in that. There was no caring about other people in that. It was just a big burden. And you can't earn God's favor. God loves you as you are. And so he doesn't want you to be a slave to the rules and regulations that you make up or somebody else makes up. He wants you to love him as his child. Knowing that, if you'll do that, everything will work out according to his plan and for your best interest. Then he talks about his sickness. He talks about his sickness. It's, it's an interesting part. And what Paul tries to do here, he tries to kind of say, look, if you're not going to believe my reasoning and my logic and my theological intent to you, let me at least appeal to your feelings for me. 
Let me at least, maybe you'll, because you care for me, maybe that'll help you choose what's right if this other won't. So notice what he says. Brothers and sisters, I plead with you that to live as I do in the freedom from these things, for you have become like, I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. Even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. <laughs> In other words, what I was going through wasn't very appealing. You'd look at it and kind of turn your head, good, gross. But you didn't despise me. You didn't turn me away. No, you took me in. You cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. My appearance didn't turn you off. You cared for me. You took care of me. Where is that joyful, grateful spirit you felt then? <laughs> you know, where is that now? What are you doing? Why? I'm sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Now, this is where many people think that Paul's thorn in the flesh was an eye problem. If you'll remember, when God called him, he blinded him. There's a bright light. Paul was blind for three days. And perhaps some of the leftover effects of that were an eye condition, where he had problems writing, problems seeing. We don't know that for certain, but he says, look, you know, evidently I had some issues going on in my eyes and what was going on there, and the possible you would have taken yours out and given them to me if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? Look, remember our relationship before? Remember how you treated me? Remember how we got along? Remember your willingness to go the extra mile to help me? If you just forgot all of that? You should know me well enough to know I'm not trying to tell you a lie. I'm not trying to get something out of this. I care about you, and I hope that you still care about me. And if you won't listen to the Scripture and to what I'm trying to tell you to say, maybe you'll listen to what I have been to you and the life we have shared together. And so Paul keeps pressing them, keeps appealing to them, keeps trying to get them to change what's going on in their life. And then we talk, he talks about his struggle for his children. See, not only does he know they're God's children, Paul has this relationship with them where he feel like, you're my children. It's a great relationship. Now notice what he says. Those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're just going to use you. They're just going to try to financially profit from you. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them and see what they're doing. See how they're acting. If someone's eager to do good things for you, that's all right. But let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you, not just when I'm around. 
Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I want you to mature. I want you to grow up. I want you to be smarter than this. I want you to understand truth and what's there. So he says, I wish I were with you right now so I could change my tone. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, do you see the harshness in the letter? You know, but at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. I care about you. I love you. I want to help you. I'll do everything I can for you. Please don't allow these people to come in and shipwreck your faith. Do you understand that the enemy is going to do everything he can to cause you to shipwreck your faith? And he doesn't do it by trying to turn you against God. He tries to get you to add to what God's doing. He tries to get you to think that you know what God wants and you do some things that are contrary to what Scripture teaches. They sound right. They sound reasonable. You know, their past was there. What sound, it, worked, it was this way before. Why suddenly is it not? How do we get around this? What do we do? And Paul has to write and argue with this and that. And he wants them to understand we are children of the Spirit. Don't give in to this. Don't let this take you away. You are God's children. And the Spirit of God is there with you. Tell me, you who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freedom wife. So Paul's going to use an illustration from their history, Abraham's two wives, and he's going to put this in a place where one represents the Old Testament, one represents the New. Now follow him as he goes along through this. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. You know the story. God had told Abraham he's going to have a son and Sarah and they're going to have it. Nothing happened. So they get impatient and Sarah said, look, take my, my maid, my Hagar, take, take her, have a child with her. Maybe that's the way God wants to do this. And they have a child called Ishmael. And it wasn't that that was a horrible, gross sin at that time. It was a common practice. It just wasn't God's way. And they were attempting to fulfill God's plan in a human manner. You understand that every time you attempt to do God's plan in your way, you create more conflict for yourself? God's plan doesn't go as fast as you want it to or the direction you think it should, and you get impatient, and you try to fulfill it on your own. And that's exactly what happened here. But the son of the freeborn wife, Sarah, Isaac, was born as God's own fulfillment to his promise. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai, where people received the law that, that enslaved them. In other words, Mount Sinai is where Moses was given the Ten Commandments. That's where the laws were given. That's why God gave it to them. He gave it to them because they had been slaves all their life. He says, you don't know how to live free lives. Let me give you these laws to follow so that you don't come enslaved again and so that you can operate in a right manner. Because you know what? Wherever a lot of people are together, there's always conflict, isn't there? So God says, here's the rules. Here's the law. And so he says, Mount Sinai was the place where that old law was given. And now Jerusalem 
is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. Jerusalem is the place where Jesus Christ was crucified. It's where the price was paid so that you could no longer be a slave, but now you could become a child of God. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman, and she's our mother. As Isaiah said, Rejoice, O childless woman. You who have never given birth, break into a joyful shout. You have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. In other words, Abraham was told, I'm going to make you a father of many people, all the nations of the world. Why? Because he's the beginning of faith. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac but you are now being persecuted by those who want you to keep the law. Just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac. (laughs) Remember, it got so bad they were being made fun of that finally Sarah said, get her out of here. I don't want her anymore. Aaron said, well, send her away. And that's exactly what he did. And so, you know, they couldn't live together. They couldn't exist together because Ishmael, the older persecuted Isaac, you know, but Isaac was the one who was the child who was born by the power of the Spirit. But what do the Scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. God said to Abraham, no, it's through Isaac I'm going to keep my promise. Now, I'll take care of Ishmael, but Isaac is the one to whom the promise is given. So, dear brothers and sisters, we're not children of the slave woman. We're not children of the law. We are children of the free woman. Hagar represents what man tries to do. Let me keep the rules and let me set the rules. Let me say this is how a Christian should look like. Let me say this is what you got to do. Let me put things into place to say this is how it has to work. Legalism. Sarah represents what God will do. God, through His Spirit, will provide what needs to be provided. And here's what the Scriptures say. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. God has called you and I to live in freedom. But that freedom can only be attained when we learn to live as God's children, adopted. The price for our adoption was paid by Jesus Christ. People who adopt today, it costs a lot of money to adopt kids. But no one has paid a price greater than what Jesus Christ paid for you and I. And he says, I want to set you free. I don't want you to have to live by the rules and regulations that you can't keep. I don't want you to live by a way that you think you can earn my approval. You're my child. I love you. And I want us to enter into this relationship of loving one another. And love does no harm. Love is willing to lay down its life for others. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul. And love others like you love yourself. It's a whole law. Then we'll do the things that please God. So today, 
don't live by the old way. Don't live by the rules and regulation that man erects to try and say this is the, what you have to do to get to God. God has come to us, done everything necessary. And again, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And His Spirit lives in us. Let's pray. Father, we thank You tonight for the freedom that You give to us. We are free to love You, to serve You. And we thank You for the life that You offer to us. And Lord, it's almost incomprehensible for us to grasp how much You paid so that we could become Your children. Father, thank You. And would You help us to live in the freedom that that life provides. We love you. We thank you for the life you give to us. In thy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.